Take out your Bibles. Amen. Take out your sermon study guide this morning and uh, follow along with us. If you don't have a sermon study guide, lift up your hand and we'll get one to you. If you're new with us, if you're a guest with us, I don't believe in just preaching. I believe in teaching. And this morning, your notes are my notes, or my notes become your notes, whichever way you want to view it. Fill in the blanks as we move along this morning and capture the truth of God's Word as we continue with our prayer warrior's message uh, this morning. A man was driving on the country roads of the rural areas of the countryside. And suddenly, as he was driving this motorist, he noticed a farmer standing out in the middle of his field doing absolutely nothing. Saying nothing, looking at nothing, standing perfectly still in the middle of his farm field. The motorist couldn't help it and stopped, pulled over the car, walked out in the field and said, Sir, my curiosity has just overtaken me. Please, would you let me know what are you doing? The farmer looked at him and said, I'm trying to win a Nobel Prize. The motorist said, how are you going to do that? The farmer said, well, I've heard they give the Nobel Prize to people who are outstanding in their field. Where does that go on the thumbs up or the thumbs, uh, thumbs down, thumbs up factor? <laughs> we'll get it right. Thumbs up, thumbs up. Hey, our main, our main purpose here at Lakeside, if you're new with us this morning, our main purpose here at Lakeside is not just to prepare you for heaven, but to prepare you in the here and now. I'm all about creating, producing winners in Christ Jesus. Champions. I want you to be successful at work. I want you to be successful at home, I want you to especially be successful in your walk with God. I'm all about creating champions, winners, not losers. This church is not spending its time, its resources, in creating losers, but winners. I want our young people to be champions at school and university, allowing their light to shine for Jesus. I want our young adults, I want our young marrieds, I want our old marrieds to win in this thing called family, marriage, the home, their future, to seize their destiny for Christ Jesus. We call them champions. We use the word winner. The Bible uses the word overcomer. And that's why we have banners around this church as we are declaring this year to be overcomers 26 the most pivotal way for you to be a spiritual overcomer, for you to be a champion in every walk of life, the most critical factor is prayer. Prayer. If you learn how to really pray, if you learn how to be a prayer warrior, if you learn how to pray effectively, According to the Bible's revelation on prayer, I guarantee you 
of the battle in being a champion is already won. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 in your Bibles or look at your sermon study guide or on the screen here this morning. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Listen to this teaching. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be a worry wart. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Would you circle those two words? With thanksgiving. I'll hit this on the head at the end of the message. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Lord has opened up a brand new revelation to your pastor. And I've been reveling in this. Someday in retirement, maybe I'll write a book on this. I have never seen this before in the Bible. There are specific types of prayers that always bring in the victory. What are these prayers? I would term them battlefield prayers. Do you know that most of your Bible, or I should say much of your Bible, describes warfare, battles? Do you know that most of the prayers of the Bible surround either natural battles or spiritual battles it is a unique study for me to look both in the old and new testament at all the battles of the bible and see the kind of prayers that were prayed at that battle and how it brought in the victory and i want to teach that to you this morning as we continue with prayer warriors part four this morning by the way why pray why pray? Prayer is the only ordained contact. It's the only one that God has allowed for us to have audience with Him. Prayer is the communion of your soul. Prayer is the destiny of your life. Prayer is the very breath of your spirit. When you pray, you're having communion with the most powerful, almighty, all-loving person in the known natural and spiritual universe. You're having contact, communion with God. Why pray? God has promised to answer our prayers. Hear the word of the Lord, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. Why pray? Because Jesus prayed. Because Jesus prayed. At the crack of dawn, Jesus prayed. Often during the noontime hour, Jesus retreated to a place of prayer. As the evening shadows would lengthen, we find Jesus praying. The night before his death, he prayed all night long, even as he hung upon the cross. Jesus prayed. And even right now, nail-scarred hands are lifted up before the throne of God because who is praying for you and I? Jesus. Hallelujah. And if Jesus prayed, how much more so should you and I pray? Why pray? Because America is sick. Do you agree with me? And prayer is our only hope. 
Listen, you know America is sick when thieves and rapists and murderers end up having more rights than you and I have in protecting our families. You know we're in the grip of a moral meltdown when more attention and more focus is given to the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender community. More rights are given to them than our veterans in our veterans hospitals, our borders, more focus than given to our children. You know America is sick when our kids are taught in school about the homosexual greats of human history, but not the one who changed history, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know there's a spiritual cancer eating away at our nation when another anniversary of the murderous Roe v. Wade abortion decision was approved by the Supreme Court of 1973 and over 57 million unborn children have been murdered most out of sheer convenience and let me tell you America should not fear North Korea or ISIS America should fear the judgment of God the judgment of God we were shocked this past June as video after video was made public of our tax dollars going to Planned Parenthood who facilitated other companies in the sale of unborn baby parts. That's when you know America is sick. Do you realize that according to the polls, according to the polls here in America, the leading, the leading presidential candidate has not yet been questioned once on abortion, and it is well known that this leading presidential candidate is in favor of abortion, a woman's right to choose under any circumstance. Even on the day of that baby's birth, this one believes that abortion is allowable. That was announced just this morning on the news. No wonder I say America is sick. No wonder America needs emergency room treatment. What is the hope for America? Is it, is it new Christian, a new wave of Christian activism? Is it that we should go out and boycott certain companies, industries? Should we petition? Should we protest? What is the answer? Is it the ballot box? Is it the Republicans? Is it the conservatives? Is it the Democrats? Is it the liberals? What is the answer? It's not found in the ballot box. It'll be found in the prayer room, the war room of Christians who engage in prayer warfare. Prayer is the only hope of, of America. Prayers that pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These are the kind of prayers that will bring America back to God again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's word says, if my people who are called by my name shall repent of their wicked ways and pray, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Prayer is our only hope because there's power in prayer. I said there's power in prayer. 
Why pray? There's power in prayer. In 2 Kings chapter 19, the enemy attacked. This was no ordinary enemy. In 2 Kings 19, it's the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire at that time was composed of modern-day Iran, Iraq, Syria, and parts of the nation of Turkey. And they were all invading the Middle East. And now in 2 Kings chapter 19, they're knocking at the very doors of Jerusalem, the tiny, tiny nation of Judah. Who's the king? Hezekiah. The king of Assyria, this ancient Nazi, Nazi, brutal regime, wrote King Hezekiah a letter. In that letter, King Sennacherib, the king of Syria, wrote to Hezekiah, What God can rescue you from my hand? Look at the nations that have fallen before me. Look at the cities that I have laid waste. What God has been able to withstand me? Open your gates. Let us get this done. Let's save time. Surrender to me now. What do you do when you get a letter from the pit of hell? How many of you have ever gotten a diagnosis? How many of you have ever gotten a report? How many of you have ever gotten a legal writ? How many of you have ever gotten a bill? How many of you have ever gotten an email, text, a Facebook posting? How many of you have ever gotten a litter from the pit of hell? What do you do with that when you get a communique from hell? Do what Hezekiah did. What did Hezekiah do? Look in 2 Kings chapter 19. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord. <laughs> and he spread it out before the Lord. That's what you need to do. He spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Lord, the God of Israel, you alone are God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. One prayer. given to one God by one man allowed God to send one angel and that night 185,000 of the enemy were slain Sennacherib went back to his homeland with his tail between his legs and there his boys assassinated him when you mess around with the people of God when you mess around with a people of prayer one prayer has more explosive force and power than any atomic bomb. Do the stats. The first atomic bomb that was dropped killed less than half of the enemy than one angel in one night according to one prayer. Such is the power of prayer. Consider, church, what 
prayer has accomplished. Prayer has split the Red Sea and made a way where there seemed to be no way. Prayer has called forth fire from the sky, rain from the heavens. Prayer has stopped the mouths of lions in the lion's den. Prayer has vanquished hosts of invading armies. Prayer has healed the sick and caused the lame to walk and the blind to see. Prayer has conquered demons and raised the dead. Prayer has healed homes, mended marriages, revived churches, uh, and changed the destiny of nations. Prayer brings power. Prayer is power. The time of prayer is power. The place of prayer is power. And the people of prayer are a people of power. Oh, would you give him praise and glory this morning? He's given us the power of prayer. Will you pray with power? Pastor, I want to make a difference in prayer. Pastor, I need a miracle right now. Pastor, I want to live a victorious life, a joyful life, a life of spiritual success. How can I do it in prayer? As we close up this morning, I want to give you three, three powerful prayer warrior dynamics that come straight from the battlefield. Three powerful prayer warrior, prayer warfare dynamics Mark it down. Overcomers pray with a faith perception. They're on the winning side. They're on the winning side. There are people going to Super Bowl parties tonight, and before the game ever begins, they are going to be cheering for the... <laughs> I'm hearing a divided house out there. Some are saying Broncos, some are saying Panthers. Some are being smart and saying the winning team. But how do you know which one's the winning team until the game is over? But what does the world do? They cheer on. They cheer on. The team that they believe is the winning team. Oh, bring that into the spiritual. I said bring that into the spiritual. Overcomers pray with faith perception that they're on the winning side. I want to take you to 2 Kings chapter 6. Just before I, I, I read the, the, the scripture, you can be prepared. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we have a very unique Bible story. A true Bible account. Now, today, how, how do we know what the North Koreans are doing? Think of all that we have at our disposal today. We've got the CIA, the NSA. We have spy satellites. We have advanced listening and seeing technology. We have espionage. We, we have early warning systems. Did you hear that uh, a major mafia gang was just arrested in New York City because, because the FBI was able to listen in on their cell phones even when the cell phones were shut off? They, the FBI has a way to listen to the conversation in the restaurant. Unless you take the battery out, they hear every word you're saying. We have such advanced listening and seeing. They have developed even robotic cockroaches now, little drones, that see and hear everything. Oh, yeah. 
But ancient Israel, ancient Israel in 2 Kings chapter 6 had something far better than the FBI, CIA, or NSA. They had a man called Elisha. Everything the enemy, everything the king of Syria would even say in his bedroom, God would tell Elisha. Elisha knew the plan of attack. The Elisha knew the timing and the place of invasion. Elisha knew the strategies of the, of the Assyrians long before they ever attacked. When the king of Syria found out about this, he, he thought, I've got a traitor. I've got a mole in my organization. I've got a Benedict Arnold. Who is it? They said, oh, king, it's not a traitor. It's the prophet Elisha. God tells him everything, even what you say in your bedroom. So what did the king of Syria do? He sent his whole army. I said he sent his whole army after one man. One prophet, the prophet Elisha. Now you got up this morning and you looked out your window and what did you see? Huh? I hope you saw morning birds, not buzzards. <laughs> Can you imagine getting up and looking out your window and your whole house is surrounded by ISIS? Huh? Elisha and his servant Gehazi they woke up that morning in Dothan and they were completely, completely, hear me, completely surrounded by the Syrian army. And the servant of the prophet said, We're going to die! It's hopeless! What did the man of God say? 2 Kings chapter 6. Elisha said, Don't be afraid. That's a word for somebody here this morning. I sense the Spirit of God just quickened me right now. There's somebody that has walked in here this morning and you're in the grip of fear. And the word of the Lord to you this morning is don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Would you repeat that with me, church? Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. When you get that down in your spirit, you know that you know that you know that you know you're on the winning side. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. That's my prayer for our lakeside family. Oh God, oh God, open their eyes that they may see. See what? And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Who is this? Who are these chariots? Who are these horses? Who are these soldiers of fire that are, are all around Elisha more than the enemy? Who are these? This is heaven's army. I said, this is heaven's army. And who's the commander-in-chief of heaven's army? The Lord of lords and king of kings. He's never lost a battle. He knows no retreat. He knows no defeat. 
Young person, when you go to battle tomorrow morning at school, when you go to battle at work, young adult, uh, when you go to battle mom and dad this week and struggle against the trials, the troubles, and the vicissitudes of life, I want you to know that you know that you know that there are more with us than against us. Hallelujah. The Bible says if God be for us, who can be against us? We're surrounded by heaven's armies. <laughs> Angels walk with you to work. Angels walk with you to school. Angels walk with you into that, 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 that hotbed of hell that you live with either at home or in the factory. God is with you. And more than that, when our eyes are opened in spiritual faith perception. We see who our God is. You see, the reason that many are ineffective in praying, they bring their doubts into prayer. Their prayers are saturated by doubt instead of faith. Their prayers are, are saturated with prayers like, uh, God, if it is your will, God, if you want to, God, uh, can you? A man came to Jesus whose boy was demon-possessed, and he said to Jesus, Lord, if you can do anything. Jesus said, if I can, all things are possible to them that believe. And there it is, believe. Believe. What is it? What is it that's keeping you from saturating your prayer life with strong faith? Is it because you live in a culture that says, I'll believe it when I see it? Is it because we're part of a scientific culture, Western civilization, that is constantly going to the mantras, dancing to the dance, if you see it, then you believe it? Come on, Christian. God's word is diametrically opposed to that. God's word says you'll see it when you start believing it. You're still not convinced, are you? Why do you have such difficulty trusting God? How many of you, how many of you, when you go to lunch this afternoon, when you go to the restaurant, how many of you are going to, before that waitress hands you that platter of food, how many of you are going to say, um, I, I, I want that taken out to the laboratory and tested first? You know, I might get food poisoning. No, you're not. I just spoiled your lunch, didn't I? You're not. You're going to accept, even though you have not been in that kitchen of that restaurant, you're going to go by faith and eat that food, aren't you? How many of you, when you drive through a green light at Hall and Shaner, how many of you are going to stop your car before you go through that intersection, and you're going to interview the people stopping at the red light, and you're going to interview them and say, are you going to keep your foot in the brake? I just want to know. Ken, are you going to keep your foot in the brake before I go through this green light? No. You're going to blindly go through a green light at 50 miles an hour just trusting in a stranger you've never met to keep their foot in the brake. Huh? Am I preaching? I said, am I preaching? Come on, somebody help me. Am I preaching? How many of you fly on airplanes? Jets? Huh? How many of you, the last time you flew, in the, you said, flight attendant, uh, before I buckle my, 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 my seat buckle here, I, uh, you know, I'd really like to interview the pilot. 
I'd really like to know if he's, before I put my life in his hands, I would really like to interview his qualifications. No. You eat the food that's going to be given to you this afternoon. You drive through the green light, trusting, and you get on your next flight going uh, who knows where, trusting in, in a man or a woman flying that plane that you'll probably never see face to face. You put your, why can't you trust God? I said, why can't you trust God? Why can't you trust God? Why can't you trust God? He's never lost a battle. Look at the record of his victories. He knows no retreat. He knows no defeat. He is your mighty warrior. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. This battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Lift him up. He's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your prayers, your joy, your success in life will be largely determined by your faith perception. What do you see in your prayer life? What do you see as you walk with God? What do you see? How do you see your God? Some of you think he's up in heaven with his long flowing white beard, this withered senile, faint, feeble, hard of hearing God. And he's up in heaven, in heaven's rocking chair, wringing his hands. Oh, planet Earth, what am I going to do? Look at the stock market. Look at the moral meltdown in America. Look at ISIS. What am I going to do? Oh, devil, let's make a deal. That is not your God. He's on the throne not saying, let's make a deal. He's on the throne of heaven saying, here is the deal. I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am your Lord of lords and your King of kings. Hallelujah. He's moving this world. He has an agenda for the nations, and he's moving it towards his sovereign victory. God is in control. Hallelujah. He is worthy of your highest praise. Amen. So when you pray, pray with the eyes of faith. Know that you know you're on the winning side. Think of it. The devil has never won a battle yet. In the beginning, he was kicked out of heaven. He was kicked out of the Garden of Eden. He lost the battle with Jesus in the wilderness temptation. The book of Revelation says that, that he'll be kicked out of the heavenly dimensions and come on planet earth with great fury and wrath. Then the Bible says the heavens will depart. Hallelujah. And he who is Lord of lords and King of kings will say, I'm in charge now. He'll throw old Slewfoot into the pit of hell for a thousand years. The devil will be released for a short time and then be thrown in the lake of fire. Face it, there's no sense following a loser. We're on the winning side. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, I need to move on. Mark it down to enjoy a victorious life. You must pray with perseverance. Now this comes hard to many prayer warriors. We have a microwave mentality. We have an instant coffee generation mindset. 
We want it, and we want it now. What's the great American prayer? Lord, give me patience, and give it to me right now. <laughs> if you want to be a true prayer warrior, pray with persistency, pray with perseverance. Daniel prayed 21 days. 21 days. During that 21 days, what did he do? He fasted. What did he fast from? Bible says that he fasted from meat and, this is the one I have a hard time with, desserts. Desserts. I'm on a low-carb diet right now, and pray for your pastor. This is Communion Sunday, so I need to repent and confess. Becky and I were visiting a dear, dear brother in the church this, this weekend, and he took us next door to his business at the bakery shop. <sighs> Pastor was at his, uh, well, just at Steve Jablawi. I was at, at, at his Chester Men's Warehouse. And uh, sad to say, Pastor was letting out his pants from 36 to 38. Steve has a business model. Steve then takes his clients to the bakery shop next door. And there he bought, I, I haven't had these in years and years and years and years and years. How do you pronounce it? Punch, punchkies? Yeah, that. Gets a dozen of them. Oh, Becky's going, custard, chocolate, raspberry, straw. And the whole time, my eyes, and my mouth is starting to water. And I, 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 I thought, Satan, get thee behind me. Satan, get thee behind me. Satan, get thee behind me. And more custard and more raspberry and chocolate. These punchkies. We take them home. We're driving home the whole time. They're in the back seat. Whole time I'm, I'm in my mind. And Satan, get thee behind me. Satan, get thee behind me. The next morning, the next morning, I mean, I'm getting an index finger being wagged in my face. Honey, there were a dozen punchkis in that box. Now there's only seven. What did you do last night? Woke up yesterday morning and I felt like I was demon possessed. <laughs> oh. Daniel has fasted and prayed for 21 days, and still the answer has not come. But why did he keep praying? Hmm? Because he was tasting the victory. He was smelling the victory. Even though he had not yet experienced the answer, he was already in his spirit, like me driving home with the punchkis. I was already tasting them, enjoying them. Yes! That's how you can keep persisting in prayer. Jesus taught this. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Te Jesus was teaching expectation. Get excited about the miracle, the prayer answer, the victory that's about to come. Daniel's praying 21 days, and suddenly, pop, an angel appears. And what does the angel say? Verse 12, 
of Daniel 10. Don't be frightened, Daniel. Your request has been heard in heaven and was answered the very first day of the 21 days. You began to fast before the Lord and pray for understanding. That very day I was sent here to meet you. But for 21 days, why was the answer delayed? The mighty evil spirit, a demonic prince who overrules the kingdom of Persia, blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the top officers of the heavenly army, came to help me so that I was able to break through. Many of you need a breakthrough in prayer that comes by persisting, by persevering. The enemy is able to delay an answer, but not forever. The Satan, our enemy, he is fearful. A prayer that perseveres, prayer that is persistent, persevering prayer warriors. Michael came and was able to break through these spirit rulers of Persia. Listen, prayers of faith are persevering prayers. Jesus said, keep praying until the answer comes. Paul taught, pray without ceasing. Sir, ma'am, young person, don't worry if you don't receive instant answers. Keep praying. George Mueller, that great prayer warrior, listen to what he said about persevering prayer. The great point is to never give up until the answer comes. I have been praying for 63 years and eight months for one man's conversion. He is not saved yet, but he will be. How can it be otherwise? I am praying. Some of you parents that have been praying for so many years for your child, you need that word right now. Because on the day that George Mueller's body was lowered into the grave, the moment his casket was lowered into the grave, this friend fell to his knees and cried out, God, I repent. I am a sinner. I need my Savior, Jesus. Because prayers are deathless. Keep praying. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Hold the line. Pray through. Don't be a quitter. Lastly, this morning, write it down with me. Prayer warriors overcome by taking a victory perspective in prayer. A victory perspective in prayer. Mark that down. I don't know about the kids today, but my generation, we enjoyed something at school. I feel bad for the kids today if they don't have it. How many, how many, how many remember show and tell? Hallelujah, I learned to preach at show and tell. Those poor kids in the classroom, show and tell. And in my fifth grade year, every single morning, fall semester, and spring semester, I would get up and I would declare at show and tell, my daddy has promised to get me a stingray bicycle. How many guys and girls remember the stingray bicycle? We're talking banana seat. We're talking a knobby rear tire. We're talking, oh, this is the best part, butterfly handlebars. Cool. I mean, really cool. The young people are looking at me right now, just really weird, okay? Stingray bicycle. They haven't made a bicycle better yet, I'll tell you. Yes. 
I'm going to get a Stingray bicycle. I'd come home and, and tell my dad, I just told the kids today at school that, Dad, you're getting me a Stingray. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. I know that you're going to follow through. I know because you promised and you've never broken me a promise. Thank you. You think that made Dad more willing or less willing? Day after day. I'll and then the day came, I stood before my class and I said, I got my Stingray bicycle. And I not only shouted it, I rode it to school. What's the truth? What's the truth? Too many, too many in the church, countless Christians, are waiting for the battle to be won before they declare the victory. And God, the Holy Spirit, is imparting to you this morning a new dimension in prayer. It's called the thanksgiving dimension. It's a victory dimension. The Lord is declaring to you this morning to begin to permeate your prayer life more with praise, more with thanksgiving, than with begging and pleading. God is not deaf. He's heard you once. One request is enough. And then start thanking God for the victory. Start thanking God that he's coming through. Thanking God that the promise will be completed. Every promise in the book is yours. Hallelujah. And start thanking God for your blessings even right now. The blessings in the here and now. The blessings that have come. The blessings that are present. And the blessings that will come. Start counting your blessings on your calculator instead of your finger. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's coming through for you. Would you thank him this morning? <laughs> pastor, pastor, that sounds just like, pastor, that sounds like positive thinking and not Bible. Well, let's bring it up, bear it up with the Bible. Back it up. Jesus taught in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it. Believe that you have received it. The believing becomes first. Believe with an attitude in mind that you're already receiving. How would you act if you received your greatest miracle? And it will be yours. Think about that. Pastor, where is there a battle like this? Jericho. On the seventh day, on the seventh circuit, the priests blew the trumpets of worship, and all of a sudden, Joshua raised up his voice, and what did Joshua shout in Joshua 6, 16? Joshua yelled to the people, get a hold of this, church, shout, for the Lord has given us the city. When were they supposed to shout? Before or after the walls came down? You need to shout that God has your marital problem already accomplished, already healed. Your fragmented family is already in God's mind, in God's vision, in God's eye. Your family has already been made whole and healed. In God's mind, revival's already come to America. In God's mind, he's already come to planet Earth. Hallelujah, the king of the kingdom has already come. Hallelujah, we're to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Start acting like it. Start thanking the Lord. He's got the whole world in his hands. There it is. There it is. Don't wait for the walls to come down. Don't wait for the strongholds to be pulled down. Thank him now. Thank him. What's your Jericho? What's your battle that you're facing? Will you start thanking the Lord now for the victory? And watch the victory come. Watch the battle be won. Thanksgiving in advance. 
of the victory is one of the greatest outward expressions of our faith. How about it this morning? As Cindy comes to the keyboard this morning, will you declare? Will you take your stance of faith? Stand with me right now. How can I talk about standing in faith if you're not standing? How about it? Will you thank the Lord not only for what He has done and what He's doing? Will you begin, church, thanking the Lord for what He's about to do? Can you declare as the people of God, as the children of the Most High, can you declare as the blood-bought, born-again, Bible-believing, demon-fighting soldiers of the cross, can you take your stand and declare, I'm not going to wait until my finances improve. I'm thanking you right now, Lord. You're my Jehovah Jireh, and you will be my provider. I'm not going to wait until the pain is gone or I feel better. You're my Jehovah Rophe. I'm going to thank you right now. I'm not going to wait for my marital situation to mend. Uh, I'm thanking you right now for a marriage miracle. I'm not going to wait until my son or daughter comes walking down to the altar to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. God, I'm thanking you for their salvation right now. I taste it. Lord, I smell it. <laughs> There's a rainstorm coming. <laughs> God, you're sending grace. Lord, I'm not going to wait until the battle is won. I'm thanking you right now for the victory. I'm going to thank you because his name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Write it down when you can. Determined to give thanksgiving in advance for your miracle and watch the victory come. Will you do it? Will you shout even before Jericho's walls come crashing down? If you'll do it, faith will make a way where there seems to be no way in the mind of God. How many are here this morning and you've got a Jericho? You've got a stronghold. It could be your health. It could be your finances. It could be a, a loved one, a family member. But you've got a Jericho. Lift up your hand high. If you don't have a Jericho, keep it down. Lift it up high. Amen. Would you join me down here at this altar right now? Would you join me down here at this altar right now? I'm going to ask you to be a part of Joshua's army. I'm going to ask you right now, by faith, to march around the walls of Jericho. I'm going to ask you right now to begin thanking the Lord in advance for the miracle. Right now, how many of you, how many of you, if God, if God gave you your greatest prayer answer, if God gave you your greatest miracle, how would you act? If you right now received your greatest Jericho victory, how would you act? If the world tonight can go to the Super Bowl and paint themselves and act crazy and shout to the point they lose their voice even before the game is over as they cheer for their team 
as they confess the victory upon their team, how much more so should we lift our hands and lift our voice and begin thanking God for our miracle? Amen? This morning, I want you to see it. I want you to feel it. I want you to taste it as though it's already happening and begin thanking the Lord for it. Amen? Congregation, back them up by lifting up your hands. If you're able to, congregation, come down and pray for them. Elders and deacons, amen, pastors, let's just begin to thank the Lord with the praise team. Amen. Victory. Victory is here.